0: This reading can be found on page 662 of the Church Bibles, Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. Someone else, and not your own lips. Stone is heavy, and a sand, and sand a burden... But provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. He who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter, tastes sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart that I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if he does it for a wayward woman. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who looks after his master will be honored. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are the eyes of man. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Though you grind a fool in a mortar... Grinding him like a grain with a pestle, you will not remove his folly from him. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, And the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family, and to nourish your servant girls. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As we stand, hear this word of James, and then we shall pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray now on the basis of that promise that you would give us wisdom. Take our hearts to the treasures of wisdom that are revealed in the Lord Jesus. Please move amongst us by your Holy Spirit so that we may receive the wisdom that you have for us in your word today. And grant this, we pray, that we might trust you and be known as yours, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you please be seated? I will to add my welcome to any who are visiting us this morning, especially Isabel's family and friends who've come for her baptism uh this morning. But anyone who's here over the Bank Holiday Weekend, welcome to you and welcome as well to those of you who are online. Uh, just a quick couple of housekeeping notices about today's uh sermon. Uh first of all, we've uh, started putting uh, verses on the screen uh, in uh, traditional Chinese. This morning there were too many of them, so I've printed them out. If you'd like a copy of those, uh, then put your hand up and Mo will come round uh, and give you those. So if you'd like uh, some help uh, for our Chinese speakers, then just put your hand up and you can receive those uh, as we begin. Uh, There's Lewis. Lewis can uh, help you, Mo, just to distribute those. Uh, The other thing to say is uh, we always uh, love... Uh, to gather as a family and uh, uh, children are very welcome always in here Uh, but if one of them starts winning over me uh, feel free just have a little wander in the extension during this uh, part uh, of our service. I have a microphone which is an advantage uh, but even that sometimes doesn't win so uh, just uh, make sure you feel comfortable but uh, that we can all hear that would be really really helpful. And the final thing to say is we're not looking at a particular passage this morning. I would normally say, open your Bibles to the passage Mo read, and you'll see as we go that uh, we're approaching things in a different way this morning. So the question I want to ask you as we begin today is, how many friends do you think you have? I found when I started to ask that question, it's not as easy a question to answer as you first think. Do you count your childhood friends, even though maybe you haven't seen them for a few years, for some of you younger ones, a few decades, for those of us for whom it's been a little longer since we left school. You might even barely recognize them at one of those reunions that people organize from time to time. Do you include Facebook friends if you're counting friends, when they might unfriend you in a heartbeat if you say something that offends them? Do you include your next-door neighbors, with whom you're close and always have a friendly word, or your work colleagues, who you're very close with? But in reality, with both, you suspect that if you moved house or changed job, actually those friendships would cease to be. How many friends do we really have? And what is it that makes for a good friendship? We're baptizing Isabel later in our service Here this morning, Uh, what kind of friends will she have as she grows up? As the father of three teenage daughters, uh, I can tell you that the people they choose as their friends will have a huge influence on them. And we want, if we're parents, to shape, insofar as it's possible, becomes less so as they get older. We want to shape the kind of friends that they make as they grow. We want to help them to make those choices wisely. And as John said a little bit earlier in our service, uh, today and next week and uh, two weeks after that, uh, we're returning to what we do from time to time, uh, mining through some of the key themes of the biblical book of Proverbs. Uh, Next time we're looking at words, the time after that at work, uh, these themes are all intertwined throughout the book. Proverbs is like a a rope with many strands, Uh, but the aim of these sermons uh, is to follow through one of those themes, one of those strands uh, in the rope to try and get a handle and a picture of uh, the whole theme, and we're doing that today with friendship. What does God teach us is wise about how we choose our friends and how we can we be a good friend to others? And all of this is drawn from uh, a book of the Bible called Proverbs, uh, which is one of the books that's uh, with several others called the Wisdom Books. Uh, And God gives us these so that we may find wisdom, obviously. And wisdom, though, in the Bible is not at all about cleverness or passing exams. It's a practical knowledge. It's knowing how to get the most out of life, negotiating its obstacles, making good choices, and seeing the big picture. And so in Proverbs, earlier on in the book, we read this. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. She's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Her ways are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. And how do we lay hold of this wisdom? Uh, well it's not a technique or a skill you don't go on a course to learn it Uh, it's something that comes when we devote ourselves to knowing our creator again and again the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and from his mouth uh, comes knowledge and understanding and when we look into the New Testament we find that Jesus is the one who fulfills that wisdom promise He is the one who is truly wise. And so when we come to Jesus Christ and we put our trust in him and follow him, well, then we know the wisest man in the universe who is God's own son. And he helps us by his spirit to live lives that are wise. That is, that make the most of all the opportunities and responsibilities that we've been given. This is a book that will help us to be wise. And we find that wisdom today by turning to Christ who said, not the fear of the Lord, but rather repent, which is the same thing in his language. Turn back to God and put him at the center of your life and then come follow me. And Jesus promises when we do that, he will give us all that we need to live a wise life, to live a life that is faithful to him and that makes the most of all the blessings he's given us. So what does wisdom look like then as it comes to friendship? What, is, what marks a good friendship? What should we be wary of? What should we be aspiring to? Well, The book of Proverbs is a book of parental instruction, cast in the form of a father teaching his son. But it's very clear if you read the whole book that the mother is as involved as the father and that daughters are as much in view as sons. So don't be put off by the form of a father instructing his son. What do we do when we come of friendship. Well, I guess many of us would say when we think of friendship, uh, something like this. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. As many of us would say, wouldn't we, over the years, uh, that actually sometimes we know we've been really let down by those we thought were friends. And perhaps our conscience is twinging even this morning as we know we haven't always been the kind of friend that we ought to be. A faithful man who can find. It's hard to work out what a good friend is. People may say all sorts of lovely things on social media and even face-to-face in the good times, but will they prove to be a faithful friend when things get tough? Will you be that kind of friend? Because friends are not as common as we would like. A faithful friend who could find. And one of the ways of putting together uh, what Proverbs says about friends uh, is to group together the warnings and then the blessings. We'll do it in that order uh, so we get to the positive note as we come towards uh, the end. Uh, We're first of all going to listen to some warnings about friendship and then some encouragements about how to find and be the kind of friends that bring for mutually satisfying friendship. Uh, But as we do that, just uh, a note by way of introduction, uh, in the original language of Proverbs, uh, the same word is used for both friend and neighbor. Uh, And sometimes it's hard to know which word is the best way to translate. Uh, They overlap anyway, of course. Uh, Before the internet, uh, our friends will always be somewhere physically near us uh, or we couldn't have known them. It's not, uh, I think, uh, a, uh, a surprise that uh, two of the most iconic TV series in modern times have been friends and neighbours, each in different ways uh, exploring those overlapping themes uh, and keeping us entranced for years and thousands of those episodes. Uh, These are not things that we find it hard to relate to. They are, in fact, things that we yearn to know how to find satisfaction in. Uh, And equally, uh, uh, friends, neighbors, uh, sometimes equated into the mix as well, is brothers. Uh, Friendship uh, extends indeed again elsewhere in Proverbs to your spouse. So friendship, brotherhood, neighborliness, uh, the love in a family, all of these things overlap uh, and reinforce each other. We need wisdom for dealing with those God has put closest to us. So let's go through. And as I say, we'll start uh, on the negative. uh, Warnings about friendship. Uh, There are six that I've identified. Uh, That's not a claim to uh, uh, the right number. You might find some more or think that I've overlapped some of these, but I think you'll find as you hear them that those 3,000 years have passed since Solomon wrote down these words of wisdom, actually nothing much has changed in human relationships. He warns us first about fair weather friends. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, he says, but the rich have many friends. Well, you can see what he's saying, can't you? Exactly what kind of friendship do all those rich people have, exactly? In the happy times, uh, when you're healthy, when you're the one buying the drinks in the bar, uh, when you're the boss who can advance other people's careers, you might have a lot of friends. But what kind of friends are they? If you have power and wealth and generosity uh, and you uh, are willing to share all that, you will have friends, he says. But then you might find out suddenly you lose your job or you get sick or you'll get divorced or you become homeless. That Those kind of friends melt away. Suddenly they stop inviting you or responding to you. They cross the street or avert their eyes when they see you. Beware, says Solomon, of those who are fair-weather friends. Uh, Then there are gossiping friends. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Or again, later in Proverbs, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. How many of us have known a friendship spoiled by the inability to keep a confidence or to repeat to others some foolish thing that should have been quickly apologized for and forgotten? How often in the moment uh, has the sharing of that juicy piece of gossip that just won't go out of our minds suddenly seemed more important than guarding a friendship. Oh, we'll say a lot more about this next week when we come back to words. As I say, many of these strands and themes uh, overlap each other. But we know the reality, don't we? That Actually, incautious words, gossiping words uh, can destroy friendship. Sometimes friendship becomes a judgmental thing. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Or again, a man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Follow through from the previous example. You found out that a friend has gossiped about you. You're on the receiving end of that. Well, How do you respond at that point? Or we have suspicious minds and we hear one thing from over here and one thing from over there. We put two and two together and make 47 and rush to judgment about another person before they've even had a chance to speak for themselves. And so we verbally destroy our soon-to-be ex-friend. And wisdom would say to us, hold your tongue, ask your own quiet questions, see if there is another sight. We'll come on then the positive side of these things to see as well that the central part of friendship is mercy and kindness, forbearance. If those things are not present, no friendship will last long. We have immoral friends. 1629, a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. Or again, this one, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Many of the earlier chapters in the book of Proverbs, uh, in the first nine chapters, warn of sexual immorality and of sharing the company with those who will lead you down that path as well. There's a New Testament proverb uh, that really sums up this strand of warning where Paul says this bad company corrupts good character or good morals. It's a warning as we choose our friends and especially as we watch the friends that our children bring home that we know that actually the influence will go both ways and we can be rightly fearful uh, of making a friendship with one uh, who is... Uh, Hell bent in every literal sense of the phrase, determined only to please themselves or to go the way of the world. They wear immoral friends. Unforgiving friends come next. 1819, an offended brother more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. No relationship is perfect whether it's parent and child, husband and wife, friend and friend. And of course, those relationships of blood are harder to walk away from. Friendship, we think, is more easily uh, abandoned uh, when one offends us uh, or transgresses against us. The question, though, comes really, both in the relationships of blood and with friendship, how do we deal with the reality that people will disappoint us, sometimes actively work against us. How do we respond when we are sinned against? Well, we can be uh, like this unfortunate brother, offended, more unyielding than the fortified city, uh, like brass or bronze, and there is no yielding, no mercy, no forgiveness to be shown. I find one of the saddest things over many years in ministry is the number of times I'll visit a family, often around a a key time in their life, Uh, maybe it's a baptism or a wedding or a funeral, and we'll find out as we explore the the family story and prepare for whatever event uh, it is that uh, that I'm there to help them with, uh, that there's a segment of the family that just doesn't talk to another segment. Brothers who haven't spoken for 30 years and suddenly we're trying to work out what to do, Will they both come together for mum's funeral, or will they stay apart? Sit in the chapel opposite sides, whatever it is. Indeed, from time to time, I've had to have the police come to funerals, uh, such as uh, the acrimony uh, between family members. Uh, The path of being unyielding, of putting up the barred gates, in the end, hurts everybody. It forbids the relationship from being restored. It leaves the bitterness within no relationship or friendship can survive without mercy. This is not a proverb to imitate. This is a proverb to take warning from. And we can have shallow friends, like clouds without wind, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give, or again, this one, like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Have you got friends like that? They're always promising, but they never deliver. And when trouble actually comes and you really need a friend, well, then those friends are as pleasant and useful as a toothache. We know people like that, don't we? We've been let down like that. Maybe we've been the ones who've done the letting down. Well, really, nothing has changed after three millennia. Uh, The pitfalls to friendship are there just as they were for Solomon. And maybe we found out the hard way that people uh, that we once counted as friends were just that fair-weather sort, or they turned out to be gossips, or to judge us, or to lead us down some dark and destructive path. Or they had no capacity to forgive, or it was in the end all so shallow. Or maybe, let me say again, our conscience is convicting us because a memory has lodged itself in our minds that we can't dislodge, and we know that we have lived like this. As well. well, before we come on to the final remedy for that, what about true friendship? Let's look at the positive encouragement from Proverbs, uh, warning us in all those ways of what to avoid, but also pointing us as to what to be and what to look for. And if there's uh, one word that describes the character and blessing of an authentic friendship, uh, I've chosen this world. It's an old-fashioned word. You won't find it in a modern translation of the Bible. Loving-kindness. Uh, two words, run together. Uh, they occur in the older translation of the Bible where we would often have in the modern English steadfast love. It just gives the picture uh, of a kind of faithfulness that endures in spite of obstacles and difficulties and setbacks, uh, a kind of love that has the object at the heart of its mercy and grace uh, and persists through all those hard times. This is the kind of friend who is marked by consistent kindness, who is faithful to us even when we let them down. It's a word that properly is only used to describe God, and yet it sums up the character of what Proverbs says we are to aspire to and to look for in real friendship. It is a rare thing, but it is a beautiful thing. We see it in something like Proverbs 18 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, it's all very well to have many companions, Uh, those numbers that you were counting up before of your Facebook friends, probably more in this context, they're your companions. They like to see the pictures of the wonderful food you're eating or whatever it is you put on your uh, Facebook feed, Uh, but actually, would they be there when the chips were down? And you were in desperate need. And at perhaps great cost to their own time and money, you really needed a friend. Well, maybe you have got all your Facebook friends as people exactly like that. But I think we know the reality. There's a difference between a multitude of companions and a really close friend who will step up when we are in need at their own cost and for our own benefit. Even when they have nothing to get out of it for themselves. Well, remember the warning about the gossiping and unforgiving uh, friend. Well, now listen to the other half. Uh, he who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats a matter separates close friends, there's an offense. It's a real thing. You haven't imagined it. Uh, something your friend does or says that they shouldn't have done, and it's hurt you. It's offended you. What do you do next? Oh, we saw the negative choice under the warnings. Uh, well, here, it's the positive one. Don't just find other friends and repeat the matter. That first friendship is, under, is over at that point. No, you cover over the offense if you're a real friend. And that's what we hope our friends will do for us as well. We'll put into practice forgiveness. And in fact, we will find as we do that, that the more we forgive, the more love will deepen. Many a friendship And any marriage longer than three minutes uh, will be stronger for the practice of mercy, of forgiveness, of the choosing not to remember the wrongs that we are capable of doing to those who are nearest and dearest to us. Now, that's not a justification to sin that grace may abound. Uh, Read Romans if you want to follow the argument on that one. But it is showing us that in God's universe, our merciful God dealing with us fallen creatures, the more we practice forgiveness, the deeper we will grow in love. And that's true in a church family. It's true in our natural families. It's true amongst our friends as well. And what about when life gets choppy? Redundancy, divorce, cancer. You don't want a fair-weather friend. Instead, you want 1717. 17. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A real friendship is only tested when the pressure comes, when vulnerability is exposed, when need is revealed. Well, Then you can be or long to receive the kind of friendship that's marked by loving kindness, a steadfast, enduring, God-like love that ultimately only he shows to us. And there's such a loyalty in that friendship uh, that it's sustained through the years and even the generations do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. Do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby or a friend nearby than a brother far away. And remember that cupboard love that we thought of to start with, the kind of people who shun the poor but seek rich friends. Well, here is the double contrast. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. The first thing that marks a real friend is that they are full of loving kindness, the enduring love and faithfulness that is properly only the character of God Himself. Second, integrity. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. Not only is a true friend marked by a consistent kindness, but that comes from an inner consistency. What they are with you, they are with others. What they are when they post on Facebook, they will be when they see you face to face. And what they are online, they are with God. There's just a seamless consistency about the person who is a true friend, a pure heart and gracious speech. See, modern life is the enemy of integrity. We can be, can't we, in our uh, disconnected lives, one thing online, another thing at work, another thing at home, one group of friends you're one kind of person with, but the other half of your friends found out what kind of person you were with them, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. Well, the truest friend, says Solomon, is a man of integrity and honesty. When he speaks a word of criticism or correction to you, you receive it because it comes from that place of honesty and love. Where better is open rebuke than hidden love, or this famous verse, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies, kisses so easy, isn't it, to flatter people, to tell them what they want to hear. It takes real love to sit your friend down and say, what you're doing here is wrong, and it will hurt you, and it dishonors God, and it's not right. You need to change. Now, when we have that sort of conversation, it doesn't mean it's easy to hear or indeed that the result will be speedy. I love 28, 23. He who rebukes a man will, in the end, gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. Takes the long view to practice that kind of friendship that's prepared to say the hard things out of love because you care for your friend more than for their flattery. Wisdom, the heart of the book, and also a character of a true friend. Uh, this is why we care about the children, our uh, the friends, our children choose thirteen twenty. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Want your children to be wise make sure they've got some wise friends. Otherwise, the proverb will play out. If all their friends are fools, well, then your child will grow up a fool as well. There's a responsibility here as we shape our children's lives. So we find wisdom by walking with the wise. Uh, I was uh, talking just this week with someone who was very negative uh, about church, justifying their uh, never attending. Well, Frankly, that person isn't going to find wisdom if they choose never to walk with the wise. Not that we are wise in ourselves, but rather we look to the one who is the source of all wisdom and grace. And apart from the company of those who fear the Lord and shun evil, well, you'll turn away from the Lord and you'll embrace the evil. It's a proverb that applies just as much to adults as it does to children. And instead of the gossip which corrodes, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness uh, of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Or this one, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Friendship isn't always about agreement. Uh, There are times when we need to have vigorous debate uh, with each other and where we will work together uh, as we do that respectfully and thoughtfully, uh, coming to a wiser place than either of us could have got to on our own. A true friend is considerate as well. Here's a piece of practical wisdom, 2517, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and he will hate you. A good friend knows when to stay and when to go home again. Or 2520, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on soda, is the one who sings songs to a heavy heart. A real friend, will be sensitive to your spirit. They'll know when to mourn with you and when to dance with you and sing with you and when just to shut up and be with you and not say a word. Friendship. We all need friendships. We all aspire, hopefully, to be better friends. We all carry the scars of others who we thought were friends but turned out not to be. A faithful man who can find? Oh, maybe we have those burdens. Maybe we find our conscience speaking to us. The reality is that we're all inadequate when it comes to friendship. That's why I want to close with the one to whom true friendship in the book of Proverbs points and finds its fulfillment, and in whom we will find the mercy that we need. You see, Jesus was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It wasn't meant as a compliment but he quotes it and he owns it for himself. He says to people like us who know we've gone wrong, who haven't been the kind of friends we ought to be and who have the scars of being sinned against as well, come to me, he says, and you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you'll find I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's friendship, isn't it? Someone who says, I can see you're burdened, come to me and share those burdens. Well, Jesus is not just a better friend than any of us might be or find. He is God's own son. He has come to befriend us and he's come to befriend not those who are strong and successful but rather those who know they've fallen short and who know they need only the mercy and healing and forgiveness and new start that he Can bring. He's a friend of sinners. That is, he comes for people like us. He's a friend of those who've failed to be good friends. He's a friend of those who don't have a friend to turn to. And what kind of friend is he? Well, those positive characteristics, though they describe normal human friendships, they also point beyond themselves to the one who is the true friend of sinners. He alone and uniquely is perfectly full of loving kindness. I think of some of those individual proverbs. He is the one who sticks closer than a brother. He is the one who covers over our offenses. He is the one who was born for our adversity. He is the one who patiently endures us through the years. He's full of integrity. He has wounds from the cross that can be trusted so when he says to us come to me turn from your sins put your life in my hands we're hearing the words of a friend we're hearing the words of the one who alone can heal us and renew us and send us out equipped to be that kind of friends uh, those kind of friends to others he is the very wisdom of God and we can know God's wisdom as we trust him with all our hearts He's the ultimately considerate friend who will never abandon us or turn us away. He said to his own disciples uh, on the night before he died, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Don't we need a friend like that? Well, we have one in Jesus. And as we come to him, as we turn from our sins and put our trust in him, we will find one who brings us to know God personally. Who knows us, who forgives us, who accepts us who equips and sends us into the world and says, love each other. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother. We thank you that you are the one who calls us to come to you in our weariness and with our burdens and to find rest and renewal in you. Father, we pray that you would forgive us for when we have been bad friends. If our consciences convict us, lead us to the cross of your Son that we may find forgiveness and a fresh start. We pray too that you would help us to be good friends, to be those who are full of loving kindness, integrity, wisdom, and sensitivity to others. And make this, we pray, A place where we will walk together as friends, held together by your friendship, for we ask it in your name. Amen.